Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Who is the best college football team in the state? That discussion is going to be had here on Beaver Banter because Oregon State just took down USC 45-27 on Saturday. And it wasn't even really that close. OSU led 42-17 while the Ducks were messing around with Arizona. I don't know what's going on there in Eugene. But here to talk about the Beavers' huge win is the Oregonian and Oregon Lives Oregon State beat reporter Nick Daschle along with myself, Aaron Fentress, Nick. Just how big was this victory for the Beavers? I mean, it's a given. We know it was big. But break it down for us as a guy who's covered this program for a while and watched them try to rebuild under Jonathan Smith. Just how huge was this? Uh, it, it was easily the most dominant performance you've seen under Jonathan Smith's four years. It was, you know, if if Chance Nolan doesn't throw that interception in, in, in late in the first quarter where he was at – I thought he was trying to throw the ball away, but it turns out he was actually trying to get the ball to Bradford, and the guy made a great play on it. If that play doesn't happen, it might have been a route by halftime because they were scoring virtually <laughs> on every drive. Uh, there was five, six, ten yards to be had on just about every play. Uh, USC had no answers, and it was and and defensively, it wasn't that bad either. It was, I mean, USC had some some moments early on, but Oregon State had like three or four straight possessions where they, they pretty well contained USC, and that's where Oregon State really pulled away. Now, this was the first win down there. Was it 61 years? 61 years, Twenty broke a 24-game losing streak. Unbelievable. Okay, so let's start off. There's so much to, there's so much to talk about here. And understand that I, I wrote about Oregon. So I was watching Oregon on one TV. I had Oregon State on the other TV. And I was far more interested in Oregon State. But my son is a big Ducks fan. So he was commandeering the big TV. But anyway, I paid as much attention as I could to this game that I went back and watched it because I'm going to do a film session, uh, a Fetcher's film session on the, the Beavers win. But aside from what you just said about what it means for the program, like, like, is this like going to be looked back upon as a huge turning moment for what's going to be, you know, some glory years coming up, maybe even this year. And I'm not talking about national championship glory. Years. I'm just about talking about just being a relevant program. Or is it possible this might just be, yeah, they got lucky this day. How do you feel about their performance overall in terms of bigger picture uh, feeling about this team? No, I don't think I don't, I don't think it was just one of those ordinary wins. I mean, we, we saw some of this the last two weeks, Hawaii and Idaho, but you went, eh, it's Idaho, it's Hawaii. I mean, they should do that against them. You wanted to see it against a, you know, a better team. And I'm not saying USC is, you know, top 20 or anything like that, but they still have 46 four star players on their roster. I mean, Correct. they clearly have some, they clearly have some talent and they have probably the best receiver in the conference. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it just it what it, uh, Gonzano and I were sitting in the press box Saturday, kind of tossing around where this, you know, what what's what's this the biggest win since when? And I mean, you could make a case that it's the biggest win since the Fiesta Bowl, but I mean, I kind of think beating a number one team uh, in two thousand eight USC number one that's right. probably is a bigger yeah, bigger win. But but what it means to the program, I mean, this could be the launching point to a season that. Oregon State hasn't seen in a decade or more. Exactly. Okay. Before we dissect the game itself, let's ask this question as I sort of brought it up at the top of the show. Does this win mean that there's no clear-cut best team in the state right now? Who's to say Oregon State isn't better than Oregon? The Beavers beat the Ducks last year. The Ducks have looked pretty ordinary other than the fact that they pulled off the win at Ohio State. Whereas Oregon just thumped USC. What do you think? Are the Beavers on par or maybe better than the Ducks and people just don't want to see it or hear about it because of recruiting rankings? I, I think that's probably the case. I'm not going to sit here and say Oregon State's better than Oregon at this point, but we couldn't even have had this discussion a few weeks ago. I mean, Ohio State, you know, the Ohio State game, Oregon State had lost at Purdue. I mean, it wasn't really a discussion, but now you look at the at Oregon State and what they're doing, how they can take take control of games with their running game and their defense is, you know, is pretty good. And you look at the PAC 12 and you go, okay, okay, who's going to stop this running game? Is there anybody in the PAC 12 that's set up to set that stop this kind of running game? And you know, I just kind of think in the modern era, the teams don't see a lot of, you know, real power running attacks leading the way. I mean, they throw in some fly sweeps and, and, and a few quarterback runs, but it's mostly running between the ta- it's mostly running between the tackles and you know off the tackle and um, you know they just don't see that. I, I mean, you go through the conference, who's going to stop? Maybe Arizona State. You know, I don't know. Oregon doesn't appear to be. Maybe maybe by the time they play, they would. But I mean, at this point, you know, Oregon's better defensively than USC, but I don't know that they're set up to hold Oregon State to, you know, 100 yards rushing or anything like that. Agreed. So Oregon State right now leading the Pac-12, 226 rushing yards per game, also leading in average yards per carry at 5.8, Oregon sitting at 5.2. The Ducks rushing game has been pretty solid. I mean, they tore up Ohio State. They haven't been leaning on it a ton, um, but it, it just hasn't – it just hasn't wowed me. The Ohio State performance was nice, but Ohio State did some crazy things on defense that I detailed in a film session where it was just like they were just gifting long runs and touchdowns. But I think for consistency's sake, what we've seen so far from both teams, Oregon State's rushing offense to me is just flat out better. And I, and I like the way they're, they're running a pro style system, sort of like what Mario wants to do. But right now at Oregon, it's just, it's just sputters too often. Whereas Oregon State, once they get that thing going, it's going. And how about the performance? You know, everything starts with the offensive line, but clearly B.J. Baylor has established himself as a legitimate number one back. Yeah, you know, we're, I was sitting there in training camp watching, you know, the three backs, and a lot of people were going, yeah, boy, it's a three-man competition, and on the on and on. And I'm thinking, ah, Baylor's going to be the guy. I just, I've seen him in camp the last three years, and he just hadn't had any opportunities, you know, for the most part. And when he did – you know, when Jefferson was hurt or something, he'd get hurt. Or, but when they count, when they leaned on him a little bit, he he performed. So I, I just thought if he they gave him a chance, he he would shine. And you know, he didn't do much against Purdue, but then no one really did. The the offensive line just wasn't in sync for whatever reason. But since that game, 
I mean, they've just been on fire with BJ Baylor. I mean, he he run, he he's got some speed, he's got some power, he's you know he he knows where to go. He, he's he's I'm not saying he's the best running back in the Pac-12, but he's he's one of the top three or four at this point. So UCLA leads the league in, def, in rushing defense, but Oregon State does not play them this season. You mentioned Arizona State's rush defense. Cal's is pretty solid, one twenty point eight. Although right here I can't see how many yards per carry they're giving up. Um, and then Oregon sitting at 136.8, which I think ranks like 70, 70 something in the nation. They've been pretty mediocre against the run and just let Arizona just run all over them the other day. So yeah, it's, if you're a, a rushing defense in this conference and you have Oregon state on your schedule and you watch this game, especially you're fearing. Now I will say this though, the thing like, I'm gonna sound like Debbie Downer, but I, I like, I like to play my caveats here. USC it's just dysfunctional. That's a dysfunctional mess. You mentioned the four stars they have. Those guys don't play like four stars. They play like two stars, three stars, unmotivated. They don't have that dog in them. They don't bring it. Like it's just, it's almost embarrassing. It's almost like the stretch where Texas had, where they had all these great recruiting classes. They couldn't stop anybody. Same thing with Tennessee. USC has fallen to that as well. So it could be fool's gold. It could be like, yeah, they dominated USC, but who really is USC? Still, the fact that you're able to push around a team like that that does have some talent for 322 yards on the ground and you've been pretty good rushing the ball the entire um, season thus far shows that this team is definitely elite. So my question, though, for you, though, is that as teams start watching them on field and dissecting them, do you think they're going to have enough skill and prep and determination and that dog in them to maintain this type of production the rest of the season? Well, I, I I have to push back at least a little bit on USC. Now, Uh-oh. sure, they they might they did stop Max Borgie in his tracks pretty well the week before. So I'm not saying the USC is as great on defense, but I mean, it, it, Oregon State was dominant from the opening play. Even even if you say USC, they broke USC at some point. You know, you, you think early at least they'd have they, they didn't stop him once, not not once. So. Um, but back to your question about, you know, what, what's Oregon state going to do once teams start to counter this? Well, I mean, they caught eight receivers and chance Nolan. I mean, if you load up that box, there's a lot of receivers and those tight ends, somebody's going to get open. I mean, Nolan has shown been remarkably accurate these last three weeks. I mean, just, he, he doesn't miss many passes that, the only two I thought he missed in the SC game were the interceptions. And one of them, I, I, I still think he was trying to throw it away. Smith says he wasn't. But, you know, and the the other interception, that was a fourth down, you know, trying to make something happen, you know, get, convert a first down, all that. But, he, I mean, some of those throws he made for touchdowns were just – they were they had touch. They, or a couple times he threw yeah, a couple zip. lasers in there. I mean – Right. I, I mean, at this point – it might be picking your poison. You, you know, maybe maybe you do load up against the run and and dare Nolan to throw. But so far he's been he's been money on on in the passing. He's he's completing over seventy percent of his passes. I, I thought I read somewhere where he's I think he's number three in the country in quarterback rating for whatever that means. I don't put much stock in a quarterback rating, but it, it's something. And I mean I know he's number one in 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 passing efficiency and things like that. So I don't know, man. It's, it, I don't want to get too far ahead, but 
shoot, I mean, <laughs> the, I mean, injuries could come up, but I mean, that offensive line's got 102 collect collective career starts. I mean, they they've been on the field a long time, and so it's not like it should be a big surprise. It's just not like USC should have been surprised. I mean, they saw what they did against Hawaii and Idaho. They should have known the running game was coming. Now we'll see what Washington does. You know, Washington, the upcoming opponent, they've got. They're they're not stopping the run much either. So, but I expect them, you know, to bring it on Saturday. Yeah, early in the season, sometimes it's hard to know if it's an upset win or if it's an establishing yourself win. Like I still think the Oregon win over Iowa State is some is more upset than it is establishing. We'll see moving forward. But I still think Ohio State wins seven out of ten times against Oregon. Um, I'm not sure I felt that way watching this this game with Oregon State over USC. I felt like. Oregon State wins a series against this team because they were they just had their act together so much more. And you mentioned, yeah, if a team wants to stack the box against the run, what chance Nolan has shown with his accuracy. Two of the throws he made, the touchdown over the middle, and I can't remember the receiver, and he had another pass over the middle where he was getting pressure. There was pressure coming, and he just slid a little bit to his left just to buy himself an extra half a second and then just threw a dart right down the middle of the field. Those are gorgeous passes, and he's really good on play action. The way he sells those fakes – then gets yeah. himself set up to make a throw and his running ability. Like, I mean, I think you told me he's, he's considered a dual threat kid, right? Yeah, he but he's in a, in a pro style system. But right. when it's, when the play breaks down and he's got to run, he's gone. And, and so if, if you're a team that says, okay, we're going to stack up against the run, you have a really poised pocket passer who's great in play action. And if he is pressured, he can escape and, and hurt you with his legs. Then, like you said, that's, that's big trouble. And we saw against, USC, that this kid can manage this offense and that they can hurt you in multiple different ways. And then even if you load up on Oregon State, what, when you when you go to break down some of this film, look at some of the sets they come up with, the two tight ends, and then sometimes they put Micaiah Tongue out there, who's a receiver, but he's, he's tight end size. Sometimes they'll have three of those three on one side of the field. I mean, <laughs> at some point, I mean, it... The, they're just, coming. They're... they're it, it, yeah, it's a, they're just telling them we're, we're, we're running to the right and <laughs> try to stop us and USC try to in. stop us. It, it, yeah. And when you can do that, you know, when you can demoralize a team with the run and physicality, it's so much more impactful, I believe, than throwing the ball all over the place. I mean, that's that's fancy. You get yards and stuff like that. You can beat people, score points that way. But it's more demoralizing to the defense when you just pound it down their throat. And that's what they did in this game. Um, yeah, so I was thoroughly impressed, as you can tell. Plus, I had some coffee. Now let's move on. Let's move on to the defense. Well, let me wait. Let me go back. Chance Nolan, you you and I have talked about this before. Do you think, as of right now, if Jebbia returns, they stick with Nolan? Oh, no question, no question. I I don't think Jebby is anywhere near near ready. He's he he doesn't seem to be. I, he's not practicing or anything like that. But you you you. But you when can't he returns, that. though. Okay, well, when he returns, we're talking a month. Okay, <laughs> in a month. It, too it, early. Too early to talk about that. No. Okay, so if he came I, back I, this I, week, if he came back this week, would he replace Dolan? Or do you think we're starting to see a shift where here, where Nolan's taking over the job? No chance. No chance. No chance. No. No chance. Jebby's I mean, nice, man. Jebby is nice. He beat he's Oregon. He's ni- nice, but what what you see from Chance Nolan is, I mean, he's borderline. First team all pack twelve right now. The way he's playing, I mean, I'm not saying he's gonna be, but how many guy, how many quarterbacks out there would you say are better than him right now in the pack twelve? 
DTR maybe. Oh, back to a quarterback situation is very mediocre. He, he right. would definitely be so, starting for Oregon right now. No offense to Anthony Brown, but yeah, chances yeah. nothing better. I mean, DTR maybe. I mean, who else? I mean, really, who? I mean, we haven't seen enough of Jackson Dart to know, but um, and and then obviously the kid at Arizona State. But I mean, he's certainly in the mix, and so how? Why would you bench him for Tristan Jebbia at this point? You just you just wouldn't. Okay. I'm going to trust you on that. You are listening to Beaver Banter, a podcast from the Oregonian and Oregon Live. We'll be back after a quick break. All right. Anything else about the offense before we shift to the defense? The other one that that came out today, I didn't know this, but but just one more nugget on on how well the offensive line played. Oregon State did not give up a tackle for loss against USC, which is the first time in 28 years that's happened. So not only did they road grade USC, they didn't let them in the backfield ever to to, to tackle somebody behind the line. First time in 28 years they haven't allowed a TFL against USC or against anyone. Anyone. No one. Okay. Wow. That's, and that was specific. So, <laughs> you know, that's so yeah, that's dominating because usually, usually you're going to leak somebody in there. Someone's going to nope. miss a block. That's right, that's exactly. That, that's how, that's how it's, good they, know. that's how good they were Saturday. Is they didn't even allow a tackle for yeah. loss. So, um, yeah, that's wow. enough about okay. the offensive line. I guess they don't want their head. <laughs> you shouldn't want to want, look it. at their heads get too big on this one. But I'm sure yeah, exactly. Jim. Hall, I'm sure Jim Halchek will make sure that doesn't happen. Okay, so on the other side of the ball, the Beavers' defense put in work, and this was a USC team that had a, a big game against Washington State, granted a quarterback change because of injury, a double change, actually. Uh, but they only allowed 17 points. In, they were in the fourth at 17 allowed, and then USC got another touchdown. They allowed under four yards per carry. Slovis put up a lot of passing yards, 355, but they were pretty hollow. I mean, a lot of it was desperation nonsense. You know, if you're going to drop back and throw the ball a bunch, you're going to get some yards. It's football. It's set up that way. And he threw three interceptions. How did you feel about the pass defense or defense as a whole? It, 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 was, it was solid. I mean, they didn't allow USC's running game to get going. Not the, again, it's not the, it's a great running game, but USC is, you know, USC, they should be able to line up and, and get 150 yards on Oregon State in most cases. And they didn't even come close to that. And, you know, that kind of left, you know, Slovis back there to, do what he can. And he got some, but I mean, Oregon State had four takeaways in the game, which is a season high. And I'm trying to remember the last time they had four takeaways. It's, it's probably been a while. Um, you know, they, it, USC got some stuff early. They scored on their, I think two out of their first three drives. I'm I'll going off the top of my head here, but then, you know, they got a field Oregon State held no field goal right before halftime when, when they could have tied the game. And then they came out. Oregon State came out and and turned them back in three straight drives, and the game was over because Oregon State was just scoring on on every drive they had. So, um, you know, defensively, they it was kind of one of those you know unsung you know under the radar efforts that you know you're so wowed by how well Oregon State played on offense, but defensively, I mean, they this was every bit as good as the Purdue performance, I thought, and and. You know, it really was encouraging to see, you know, how they how they turned USC into a one-dimensional team. Now, you said on Twitter during the week you were going to change your pick. Did you pick Oregon State in the end? I never saw what your pick was. I did. I picked Oregon State 34 to 28. 
which clearly was <laughs> was enough. Uh, well, but, but and, and but, why did you change your pick? You know, I started looking at USC a little harder, reading some stuff about you know just how dysfunctional dysfunctional they were, and and just you know that 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 they're they're they are you know to use one of the terms you used earlier, fool's gold. I mean, they just they've got all these athletes, but they're not developing them or they're not putting them in the right spots and, and they're not, and they're not performing. And I just thought, you know, this is a team that's coming off a, a big win, but it doesn't really, you know, there was no reason. I mean, they were get they were on the verge of getting blown out up at Washington state when they caught fire in the second half. So, yeah, I just thought Oregon's the way Oregon state was playing and USC's kind of who knows where they're at. And, you know, sure enough, it, it played out exactly how I thought, except for the final score. I didn't think it was be that one side, but I thought Oregon State would be able to run the ball on them, um, and that's exactly what they did. When was the last time Oregon State scored forty points three three, three straight games? It was two thousand thirteen. That that was the last time. And two thousand thirteen, I think two thousand thirteen was the last time they've won uh, three consecutive games by double digit margins too. So. And it was the first time they'd won, uh, you know, a Pac-12 opener. Uh, I think it was, was it, two, it was either 13 or 14 on the Pac-12 opener. But a lot of stuff fell on on uh, Saturday night, and 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 we got another big streak coming up this weekend. So see what happens. Now I picked USC, and I think I said, you know, I'm just going to go with the team that's going to have the, the greater athletes in this situation, especially since they were coming off the Washington State game, but. In watching it, I didn't feel like there was a difference in athleticism. And maybe that's just because one team was playing better than the other one. But I saw a lot of fast, swift, shifty guys out there making plays in space for Oregon State. Has this team sneakily put together a roster of pretty good athletes that maybe flew under the radar as far as uh, recruiting stars go? Well, I mean, through the transfer portal, they've, they've got, they've acquired, you know, more, more athletes and, and the recruiting has been better over the, over the last few years. But I think more than that, it's just the experience and the confidence. I mean, when you know what you're going to do and you're confident what you can do, you could play as fast as you, as, as you're capable. Whereas, you know, you could be really fast or athletic, but if you don't know what you're doing, you know, it's going to slow you down a little bit. And that's probably what you saw with USC and Oregon state, a team that knows what it's doing is confident what they're doing. And the USC team is just kind of, you know, stuck in the mud right now. Yeah, definitely. Great preparation and experience can lead to, to uh, guys playing faster because you're not overthinking things. Okay. Let's move on now. Now we have been talking every show about, can they make a bowl game? Can they make a bowl game? And uh, I think initially you picked USC. So we kind of came out of that, Last podcast, thinking, okay, they're probably going to lose this week, and then they need to split against Washington and Washington State. And now it's like, okay, after you do that the USC, why can't you sweep the Washington schools? And we might be getting ahead of ourselves with this, but how confident are you in the fact – I mean, they're, they're going to get one. Not getting at least one, but to me, would be a disaster after beating USC. But how confident are you that this team – I mean, not, should, not could they or should they, but that they're just going to – Sweep these two teams coming up. Well, this is this is the toughest of the two games for sure. I mean, Jimmy Lake and Jonathan coached together for four years, so they know each other fairly well. And I'm I'm sure Washington's got some, you know, they got a lot of pride at stake. They've won nine straight over Oregon State, so they, you know, they have a they have that going for them. 
But Washington hasn't proven to be a great run stopping team so far. Now maybe they'll come to the party Saturday yeah, night. One sixty five. They're giving up four. They're giving up four point four point. I want to say four point four yards a carry or something. They're they're below USC in in run defense in the Pac twelve, though not quite as much. You know, in terms of um, yards per carry. So this this isn't a vintage Husky defense, I guess is what I'm saying, and they certainly are not not great on offense. I mean, they broke out somewhat against Arkansas State, but I mean they only had 300 and shoot, I want to say like 340 yards against Cal. Um, so it wasn't like they were you know cutting it up against the Bears either. Um, I mean, I I'm I picked at 34-23 in my sneak peek um this morning Oregon State um but it, you know it I, I'm certainly not going to discount Washington as a, having a chance to win I mean they've owned Oregon State over the last decade so um you know until it happens you have to be a little bit leery but Washington State you know it's kind of the same thing there Washington State has owned Oregon State they've won seven straight over the Beavers but I don't see how Oregon State can lose to Washington State unless they just don't show up. I mean, they should be able to run the ball on that team. Washington State is a mess, it seems like. They they don't know who's going to play a quarterback. They, they've just got a lot of issues up there. And so I think anything less than a sweep out of these next two would be disappointing, but you definitely need to get a split. But I, I would say a sweep is going to be disappointing to, to Oregon State, I would think. Is there any way this team does not qualify for a bowl at this point in your estimation, aside from massive injuries? Yeah, and injury, injuries, yeah. You always have to remember that, you know, injuries are part of football and they've been, you know, they've been they've been pretty healthy so far. They really, they've lost Isaac Hodgins and shoot out outside of that. I, I mean, obviously Tristan Jebbia, but they haven't missed a beat with Chance Nolan. So that, that hasn't really hurt them, but. Yeah, they've been pretty injury free. I mean, you look after. I mean, they got those two Washington games, and then and they got a bye, so they got a you know chance to kind of catch their breath. And then they got Utah, California, and Colorado, all three winnable games. I mean, Utah is not scaring anybody right now. Uh, California, the Beavers have beaten them the last two times, and then Colorado can't score. So, I mean, they're all. I mean, they could be to they could be to eight wins by the first week of November if you know if if they can keep wow. keep the momentum. Yeah, could you? I mean, I can't even believe I'm saying that, but um, you know, <laughs> it almost makes me sound like I'm, I'm, a, beaver, I'm a beaver honk or something. But no, I'm just because you say something positive doesn't make you a homer. I, I'm just going on what I see. I mean, God, it, it, yeah. I mean, outside of, I mean, if you look at these these next five games. Maybe California is the favorite in, in that game, but they're favored in every other game. I think they're 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 favored. This Washington Open is a four point favorite yesterday. Oh, that's all changed now. The Beavers are favored by two and a half. It, the line moved six wow. and a half points in, from Sunday to wow. Monday, um, and you know Holy they're gonna crap. be they should be favored at Washington State and Colorado, and and they, I think they'll be favored against Utah unless Utah you know gets gets it turned around in the next few weeks, but. Um, yeah, I mean they they could be they could be at eight and one going into a Stanford, Arizona State, Oregon finish. How's that? 
man. You know, King, King Go told me a long time ago, the great King Go. <clears throat> he said, I don't root for teams. I root for stories. <laughs> right? Meaning, yeah. you know, obviously what it means, what it means. You, you're a reporter, you want to write good stories, right? And that's what I always said. It's not that I root for the Ducks to go to the Rose Bowl. It's that I'd rather cover the Rose Bowl than, you know, the Alamo Bowl, right? It's being selfish. Uh, right now, I'm absolutely openly rooting for the Civil War to be for the North Championship. Yeah, I told Gonzano last week, I said, I said, is it crazy to think that Oregon, Oregon State might be for the Pac-12 championship? Because, I mean, no one in the, in the South is, you know, scares you all that much. I mean, UCLA is pretty good, man. Yeah, I guess. I guess I like yeah, UCLA's I, pretty I, good. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess. And Kelly, I guess. Kelly's going to make them better, but that, they're going to be yeah, up Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Probably. But that, don't, don't, don't UCLA and Arizona State play this week? I think I think that's I think they played. Yeah, we'll week. learn a lot about them both. Yeah, and yeah. so so we'll we'll kind of know who who's taking control there. But yeah, I mean that's just I mean, can you imagine game day? It'll, the college game day will be here probably. You know, <laughs> do you think? You know, I don't know. It's, it's just was weird. that two thousand nine when they were playing for the Pac twelve title? Or? Well, two thousand eight, two thousand eight, and two thousand nine. Oregon State goes to the Rose Bowl if. Uh, if they if they beat Oregon and at least at least yeah. one of them was at least one of them was for the Pac-12 title and maybe both of them I I think 09 was because the Ducks won and then the Ducks in 09 the Ducks won and they went to the Rose Bowl so that's yeah. where that was the one where both teams had the Rose Bowl yeah so yeah I that's that. I don't know I mean we're getting way out of ourselves here and a lot of stuff can happen but that's what we do on the Beaver Banter podcast <laughs> yeah that's what we do all right anything else from this game you want anything else from this game you want to touch on. You know, well, give, not, give me something. Give me something. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was just, no, I was just, I can't think of anything specifically other than I'm surprised you haven't brought up the penalties yet, but, but I did ask Jonathan about penalties today. You know, they had, okay, those, you just brought them up. They, they had, they, they had 14 penalties in the game, which is the most since 2011. They had 154 penalty, penalty yards, which is the most since the Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> 20, that's and 20 still years. dominated. <laughs> and still, the, and Alex Austin had five penalties. I, uh, the the cornerback that was guarding, um, what's uh, USC's you know, best receiver and blanking on his name at the moment. Gee, many I can't re- can't remember. I can't believe I can't remember his name. London Drake London, um, but he's a handful. He's going to make everybody look bad. I I think he's he's I don't know how much you've watched him, but he's he's terrific. Um, but. I, I think Alex Austin's going to learn a ton from that game because he got all those penalties, most of them in the second quarter. And Oregon State said, "Just keep going, just keep going, big fella." And they just they let him keep, they let him keep playing. And and I think he got better. And I think he's going to learn a ton from that game. Yeah, I was going to ask you for for a negative, and that seems to be a big negative. What did Smith say? About oh, there was no question. I mean, Jonathan brought that up fifteen seconds into his into his post-game press conference, he said something along the lines of, I know you guys are going to ask about the penalties. So, yeah, we got a lot to clean up. And I asked him today, I said, "Did I mean, were they all legit? And he said, oh, yeah, they were all they were all legit. I mean, one of them, one of them was, you know, every once in a while you get a good penalty. One of them was where Alex Austin kind of climbed over London's back and got a P.I. Well, if he doesn't, it's a touchdown. So, I mean, those are good penalties to me, you know, if you <laughs> – so, but – yeah, he says they got to clean some of that stuff up, but but that's part of the Oregon State scheme now is that Blue Adams teaches those guys the cor- the 
secondary coach to be very aggressive and they're going to get some penalties because they're going to grab guys. I mean, they grab guys in practice all the time, at least when I watch camp. So, I mean, I, I knew some of that stuff was going to happen during games and you, know, you get the right officiating crew and they're, they're going to call some of that, but, but more often than not, I mean, you're going to get away with some stuff too. And it, it it's probably going to work in their favor more often than not. Well, they're averaging eight and a half penalties per game, which ranks tied for 118th in the country with San Jose State. That's out of 130 teams. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know how much. Uh, yeah, how much to penalty? I mean, Dennis Erickson had no problem racking up penalties. I just, I mean, if some there's good penalties. If you're a dominant team, you can overcome them. But if you're Oregon State's going to have some close games coming up and I wouldn't say Oregon State's dominant yet so no there could be a game where you look up and go oh yeah the penalties killed him but I mean false starts those are bad penalties in it for anybody but but uh, the occasional defensive pass interference holding I mean sometimes <laughs> it just you're gonna get them if you're being <laughs> if you're playing aggressive and that's you know and Alex was probably a little over aggressive but you know he had he had his hands full, and every every corner that faces Drake London is going to see the same thing. I mean, he's already had three games where he's caught double digit passes, twelve, thirteen. I can't remember against Oregon State. I think he had, I think he had eleven or twelve. I mean, he's had. He, I think he's. I haven't looked, but I'll bet he. I'll bet he's in the top two or three in the country in pass receptions and yardage. Okay. All right, let's. Uh, you already gave your prediction on this week, right? Yeah, thirty-four twenty-three Beavers. That's what I think. Yeah, I'm gonna I, go thirty. I, I'm gonna go thirty twenty Beavers. Go ahead. No, I just. I. I mean, again, it's. It could be more, and it might be less. I don't know. It could be more if Oregon State's ground game is is as effective as it was last Saturday. But I think they're going to do the same thing. They're going to find a way to make that running game work. They may throw a, a few wrinkles. I'm sure they'll throw different wrinkles in there. You know, they may work. They may work. Maybe they're working the tight ends a little bit more in the passing game. But but I think the base of this of the approach is going to be we're going to we're going to run until the Huskies stop it. You know, to me, this is type of game where okay, Washington isn't that good. They they barely beat Oregon State last year. They're down a little bit. You're coming off a huge win, like you said, biggest win since they beat number one ranked USC many years ago. This is where you. This is a prove it game to me, as far as I'm concerned. Because Washington is still Washington. They have a lot of good players on the team. They struggle early. They're getting better. This is a prove it to me game. Like prove prove to me that that USC game wasn't just a fluke against a dysfunctional program that has an interim coach that who no one I know can believe is the interim coach. <laughs> no offense, but a lot of people are shocked that that was the choice there. Um, so, you know, that easily could be, okay, we took advantage of a dysfunctional team. If it's not that, prove it this week against Washington and show that you're for real in the North and that you're a force to be reckoned with. You go out there and you lose at home to Washington, now you lost to a pretty mediocre Pac-12 team, and then it makes me say, eh, okay, it was a nice win over USC, but this Oregon State team hasn't truly – uh, come of age at all if they can't pull out a win at home against Washington. So that's my take. It's as big or bigger game than USC, I think. It, from this standpoint, you're going to be playing in front of the biggest crowd they've played against in quite a long time. I they're pulling Oregon State's pulling out all the stops trying to get trying to fill that stadium Saturday. I don't think they're going to fill it, but it's there's going to be a lot of people there. 
they win that game and play well, they're going to sell a lot. Of, it's going to do a lot to sell re, the Research Stadium West Side. They're trying to they're trying to create new fans. Well, this will do it if if they can if they can look good and win a game on Saturday night. Okay, before we before we sign off here, throw one thing out there. Uh, someone, a couple of people tweeted out, "Hey, USC is looking for a coach." Jonathan Smith just came down there and beat him down. They can't really seem to get a big-name coach to come to USC yet. I mean, we're early in the process, but there's no one really linked to them. People were throwing around Mario Cristobal's name, which made no sense to me whatsoever. Is there any possibility Jonathan Smith could be a candidate at some point if he continues winning this year, or and or would he even take that job? You know, it's funny. Um, later in the second half, so, uh, one of the beat guys from one of the USC uh, media websites came over and asked if I, if we knew what Jonathan's contract was. <laughs> so just, just out of curiosity. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. He doesn't, I mean, you never, I, we don't know these guys. We ne- we don't know any of these guys all that well, really. I mean, we think we know them, but we really don't. But my sense is, USC is just not Jonathan's just not USC, even though that was his school growing up. I, I think USC is going after a guy that can really recruit and then and develop the talent. And Jonathan hasn't, I wouldn't say he's proven yet that he can really, you know, hit the home runs with the four and five star recruits. So I, I think that alone would probably discount him from the job, but, but I mean, I don't know if he was like the fifth or sixth choice and they, you know, got turned down by a bunch of people, I don't know, maybe, but I, I, I don't think Oregon state fans should be nervous that he's going to go to USC. Now, could he go somewhere? You know, if they go say they went 10 and two and got to a great bowl game, I mean, it's possible, but, but I think he likes what they're doing here and, you know, he's loyal to the school and that just seems, I, I would be surprised if, if, if SC is anywhere on his radar. Or if, or if he's okay. on SC's radar either. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. All right. Well, I think that's it for the Beaver Banter podcast this week. Big game against Washington coming off the huge win against USC. Please hit the subscribe button and so that way you can never miss our podcast when they pop up each week. And anything else, Nick, you want to add before we sign off here? No, I think I'm just look for a lot of stuff this week on on Oregon Live about the Beavers <laughs> yeah. and and and, and Fentress's film breakdown or what what what, what do you call oh, it? Oh yeah, again? I'm all over that. That's Fentress's film session. Come what on. do you what do you what are you looking at there? What's what's your I'm going to look at just how they dominated the run game and used the play action passing and then how uh some some of the nice throws that Chance had. I, I love I love throws under pressure, where a quarterback shows pocket presence and then can still move his feet and then deliver a strike. That was one of the things that that got me over the moon with Herbert. Even like even the Washington game, they lost to Washington seventy-one to twenty is his first start ever. I was like, oh my god, this guy's gonna be a first-round pick, and people thought it was insane. It was because the way he used his feet and his presence, and I just felt like watching Chance. I was just like, man, this guy is completely in control of himself and what's going on around him, and looks completely poised and just throwing just rockets like we talked about earlier. So I'm, I'm going to look a lot at that and then how it tied in with the run games. I thought yeah. they used play action. They, they used play action so well, and I was impressed by that last year. I think I did some film things where I pointed that out 
last year about how they use play action and the play action passing is, you know, that's, that's West Coast driven from back in the day. Bill Wall style. I love that style of football. So I like watching Oregon State do its thing on offense. Yeah, I think two. I think two out of at least two of the four touchdown passes were play action. The one he threw to Harrison was just a dime. I thought the thirty thirty three yarder down the down the left was down the right side. That was that was a nice pass. Oh my god, the sideline pass! Oh, yeah. that was just insane. Yeah, that that um, was an NFL caliber throw. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Rodgers does that on Sunday. That was the that was the type of throw that Aaron Rodgers does or Pat Mahomes go, set does, and then some. Announcer says, only five people on the planet can make that throw. And I spit up on myself because it's an exaggeration. But you cannot throw that pass any better. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. And he threw a couple of light lasers to Lindsay too. On, at least one of them was, was on the one of the touchdowns he threw to Lindsay. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. That'll be interesting to see what you think when you, when you break it down. Cool. All right. That's it for today. We'll see you guys next week on the Beaver Banter Podcast. Mm-hmm.